And this week we will be covering AVI SPL's new office in India, Zoom's privacy settlement, and more. Coming up next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This week on AV Week, episode 559, recorded Friday, May 6, 2022, Speechless. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to another great episode of AV Week. I'm your host, Bradford Ben, and I am not Tim Albright, and neither are you. He is currently winging his way to Spain to cover ISC for AV Nation, so you're definitely going to want to stay tuned to us to hear more about that coverage. Instead, in a first ever occurrence, I am the host of AV Week this week, so that means I actually have to listen to our esteemed guests. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce my friend Alicia Henley, who is coming to us from Tampa, a mere hour and a half away from me. Alicia, how you doing? I'm good. What's happening, Bradford? Thanks for having me. It's always uh, fun My pleasure out. to have you here. And then our other guest, which I'll pretend to pay attention to, uh, is north of the border and exiled from the States uh, by my own personal edict. It is Matt D. Scott, who also hosts uh, Resi Week right here on AV Nation. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bradford, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Actually, it's Tim's pleasure. But, it is. You know, it's my pleasure to pretend I'm Tim. This is weird. I actually have to... Yeah, do you want to pretend you're Tim? No, but I'll do it anyway. It's the polite <laughs> thing to do. Oh, our poor listeners today. This is going to be the best show ever. We we have all sorts of good stuff. We're going to start with a little bit of international business. Uh, this news comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. AVISPL has incorporated in India, which obviously is a big change. It allows them to have local resources as well as other changes such as making it easier to do business in the country. So I'm going to start with you, Alicia, because you actually do work for a foreign-owned entity uh, now that you're working for Dante, which is Audinate out of Australia. So you actually can kind of understand this. I hope it's either that or I gave you a great intro with nothing. But I wanted to get your, your, uh, your take on this move for them to incorporate as a private company in India. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a great move. But I didn't really look at this announcement from a traditional business side. I looked at it as more of a pipeline for more diversity and, you know, basically being able to approach the market more from a global perspective, which they've already done for years, but just adding building blocks to that. And that within itself is exciting. And a woman is their regional director. So that alone excited me. But from a business standpoint, I mean, I don't think they can do any wrong by making this move. And that's just my personal opinion. Okay. So I understand the diversity and I'm, I'm with you. I applaud that they have a woman, a woman at the helm. Uh, but Matt, what other things do you think this brings to the table with AVI expanding in such a way? Well, usually the biggest thing with these kind of moves is it, it's one thing to work in a country. It's another thing to have an office in the country, which I believe they've had for a handful of years now. But once you incorporate and you become a legal entity within that country, 
it opens up a lot more opportunities and, and is just in much easier play uh, when you get into dealing with, you know, governments or anything else, because you, you're not, you're not just a global company with a, a local office. You're now incorporated in that country. You're following all of the legal ramifications of being a business within that country. It, it, it's the same as, you know, going state to state and expanding, but fully expanding into that state opposed to just flying in some resources to complete a project or, or subbing out some work under your, your flag. When you're, when you're on the ground, when you're, you know, again, fully incorporated running that way, it, it's just, it's that next evolution in doing a lot more work within that area. And and there's tax breaks and all the other really good, fun things that come with that. I'm going to kind of put on my question hat here because, you know, I haven't technically been in the business as long as you and Bradford. But do you think it, I think this was a smart move because ultimately it's it's easier to do business, as you said. But is it easier yep. for the end users and like the end users of the end users to do business as well? Because um, that's what we want, right? We want to be easy to do business with. And did this move do that for AVISPF? I, w I would argue it does. They're a big enough brand that I, I don't think there were too many, you know, potential customers who were like, well, you're not incorporated. You're not, you're not an official business in India, so we're not going to work with you. But it, 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 it does add more credibility. It adds a, uh, it's an easier path, right? Got it. You're not running the risk of, of running into some weird tax thing or, or, a variety of little local legislative issues that sometimes can pop up if you're not incorporated in the region that you're working. Um, when I started my company and we had a, a, a legal business in the U.S. as well as in Canada, that was so incredibly easier to do business in the U.S. because we were incorporated there. When we were doing it previously without it, you could do it, but there were hiccups that you'd run into. Right. When you're fully invested in that from a from a legal and a procedural standpoint it makes it easy for everyone involved but okay. to to kind of follow up a little bit more on alicia's question because now she's taking over which is yeah. a nice change yeah. uh it is it is a better thing for the local people in country in mm -hmm. india itself and it's the same thing if you have an office in south south america or an office in europe you're as an American-based company calling from India to get tech support or have someone who speaks the language or understands the culture is much more difficult than if you have an office there. It's one of the reasons a lot of places are opening offices in the areas they're servicing. Uh, you know, India has multiple languages and multiple dialects. Making communication can sometimes be the hardest thing. And it's not just India. It's China. It's yeah. Spain. It's Germany. Take your pick of any place that doesn't speak English as their primary language. And this becomes a big thing. Then you add in time zone differences. Here in the States, we already know the, the problems of dealing with East Coast versus West Coast. Of if you don't order something early enough on the East Coast from a West Coast office it's not going to get shipped out to you or vice versa. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of customers who are in the West Coast who would call me at noon and go, I need this shipped out. Well, sorry, noon their time, which is three o'clock mm -hmm. when I was in the East Coast, and it doesn't help them. 
So I think this move to, to your point, Alicia, to your question is definitely a move in the right direction of being able to be more responsive to the customers and to the customer's customer's needs. I love the way you put that, talking about culture. Do you think this helps them locally with talent as well? Do you think that, do you think that factors in that being again, fully incorporated in that country makes it easier to, to navigate the, the hiring process or is that playing at all? Going back to Bradford's point, I mean, if you being like owning that space, you understand the culture and knowing and understanding the culture is half of the pro is half of a sales process. You know, talking to people, getting to know people and building those relationships. So if your techs, you know, going into homes or going into enterprise businesses, know the culture. I think that's automatically a win in my book. But um, does it help right away? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they how they do the, you know, pull in new people into their into their business. And from a business standpoint, it is better to have a legal representation in the country that you're hiring in. Mm -hmm. It's it's just plain easier for all sorts of reasons. But the biggest one is you can pay in their dollars or in their currency in their country, not have to worry about exchange rate and meet all of the requirements. It just makes it much easier, which is why many international companies have international offices for that exact reason. Interesting perspectives. Back it's all you, about the dollars. So I want to move on to the to the next thing while Matt continues to throw various hand signals. Uh, the <laughs> next story, we're going to, speaking of dollars, we're going to jump over to Zoom that is paying out an $85 million lawsuit to settle some security issues. The question that Tim has, and I agree with, is do we think this is going to make any of us safer and change any of Zoom's practices in the long run. So Matt, I'm gonna start with you. What do you think? Is this a, a big move? Is this actually gonna have an impact or you think it's just a slap on the wrist? From, from a legal standpoint or from a fiscal standpoint? From a, from a, is it going to impact us as Zoom users? doesn't do anything for us besides possibly raise rates. I don't think it's really going to raise rates. Um, 85 mil, which is a huge amount to myself and, and Bradford. I know to Alicia, it's nothing. But for us commoners, um, it, it's huge. To Zoom, it's not a big, big deal. And I would be shocked if this does not play out down the road in uh, an appeal court, if they appeal this decision to some degree or at least try to whittle that down a little bit. That being said, I think it already affected Zoom in, in the manner in which they, they go to business and the way that they deal with their security practices. As soon as Zoom bombing became a big thing, they did start to crack down. They introduced the waiting room that might have been a feature, but it was definitely not a touted feature. They've done a lot of stuff to try and increase their security while maintaining the ease of use. The the legal case, I, I would have been very interested to see where this would have gone if it was tried outside of the U.S. The U.S. is so litigious that this didn't shock me at all. Um, 
I would have been surprised to see or, or really interested to see how this would have played out if it was tried in like an EU court, for example. Um, <laughs> as Bradford's laughing. I, I'm going to laugh and I'm going to wait, wait for others to comment before I comment. I, I do think that it, it, it will help hopefully bring to front of mind for all of these manufacturers that, that play online that you do need to take a, a, a stronger approach to your security and to your privacy. Because in the past, when something would come up and there'd be a security or a privacy issue, very rarely was there a massive legal and, and monetary issue that would come out of it outside of the generic, we lost business because you know our, our security practices sucked. This is showing that if you are lax and you are found to be lax, if someone brings a case, you can get pe penalized fairly aggressively. And hopefully this will, will usher in a, a, a better level, a higher level of security coming from companies like Zoom and heck, all of our AV manufacturers that, in my humble opinion, do not do enough to ensure security of their products that they're putting on or, or asking us as, as integrators to, to throw on customers' networks. So I'm going to ask Alicia a qualifying question, and now you'll see why I laughed at Matt. Oh, boy. I didn't don't even start. I don't know why you were laughing at Matt. <laughs> so don't even get that. That's a normal reaction from him when I talk. So it's fine. So Alicia, how do you how do you see this as impacting the industry as a, as a whole with their security and, and privacy issues? If nothing else, it should be a wake up call. And just on the panel last week in Chicago, we were we were talking about this how everybody's trying to keep their AV stuff you know separate. But there's a lot of situations where we're going into converged networks and everything has to be secure the enterprise they are demanding us to you know put certain things in place before they will even buy and that's mm -hmm. the way it's going security is top of mind for not only i believe consumers but it has to be top of mind for us that are installing and selling these type of solutions because uh red flag people if you're if you're not if you're not awake right now seeing what's happening with zoom don't think it can't happen to you because more people are realizing what AV is, what AV actually is because of Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. The average person had no idea what <laughs> AV was. And then all of a sudden I'm out walking my dogs with a Zoom shirt on. I've got my neighbor stopping. Oh my God, you work at Zoom? I'm like, no, I, no, I don't. But they have an idea of what our industry actually is now. And if we don't put the property, you know, the proper security measures in place with our solutions, then a lot of us are going to be in that same situation. And I agree with you both. The only thing is because I'm that nerd and Josh Shrago, all hail Josh Shrago, uh, this is also as much about the privacy as the end-to-end -end encryption. They were sharing user data with Facebook and LinkedIn and other places, and that's as much of the lawsuit as the end-to-end -end encryption, which is why I was laughing at your comment, Matt, of let them try this in the EU. Uh, the EU is is probably going to be up next because this violates all of the EU privacy oh, yeah. and you know those components of all their data privacy acts. So it's as much about the lack of end-to-end -end security and the lack 
of due diligence as it is the privacy policy that we all had to sign to use it didn't actually get followed by the company and someone holding that it's a bigger issue than you think but it is shocking and i think that's the bigger wake-up call of the yes the metadata is proprietary and you can't change your mind without telling people that you're sharing their data because as a business to alicia's point of how security is important if you knew that i was talking with say av week and you weren't and you worked you know and then i was talking with launch and then i was talking with av network you know and you could put all those dots together you might be able to come up with what i'm doing and talking about and that's where the metadata became just as important Mm -hmm as the actual conversation. I think that's the the other takeaway beyond the, to Alicia's point, keep everything secure. I, I, I would love to see a point where these companies are, are forced to show their hand a little bit better, right? I, I know I'm not the only one who reads most privacy policies and most of the, you know, the terms and conditions that you have to sign for every app you use and every device you use and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the interconnectedness of those policies and how they work with other vendors is really disconcerting. And it, it would be nice if they could find a way to obviously have the legalese, but take some initiative and do the Hey, when you log in here, we're going to share everything you do with Facebook and Google and Apple and whoever else they want to share with. Um, Because I think you'd have a lot more people who, you know, click that, you know, I I don't want to be tracked on this on this app on their phone if it was laid out a little bit clearer. And I realize they don't want to do that. But that's the thing I, I, I hope to see kind of coming out of some of these cases because there's a lot of privacy cases going on right now in heck globally, but it'll be very interesting to see if it forces that hand just a little bit. I have yeah, no faith in that, gonna, but I'd love to see It's going to be a while though. It's going to be a while. Like the internet is still fairly so new. Right. And just like everybody just started creating all this stuff with no rules, with, like with no laws, no guidelines. We were just like, this is great. Let's all jump into this and, talk to each other all over the world let's be free on the internet and now that things are happening everybody's like oh i didn't sign up for this well you actually did you just didn't read it you know you did (laughs) and and i mean this is going to continue to happen until more and more cases like zoom and facebook and all this stuff actually gets like a serious crackdown right and so the Mm -hmm. big tech companies actually are held to some kind of law to where they can't do this um and that's that's a ways out And, you know, we can obviously, I can talk about this ad nauseum, as many of you know, but this is obviously a a deeper subject. And like you said, Zoom's the tip of the iceberg, but this also comes into what we do as audio integrators of what's on cloud versus on-premises and addressing who owns the content and the information. And to quote JLA, AV as a service 
this is software as a service and other thing and you know conferencing as a service it has its its drawbacks plus i just wanted to name drop joe way so i'd get retweeted oh, i'm disappointed <laughs> i was hoping to get through an episode without talking about joe way we can have mitchell edit it out no 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 it's fine it's fine because now he'll hear my disgust over this and that's worth it <laughs> can you feel the love once again my name is tim albright send your hate mail to matt scott i need to i'm gonna throw it to our last question and i think this is a big one this is when i get to be news and it was entirely unexpected uh the avixa Women's Council is raising money to support young girls in STEM. And this comes from Taylor Moore right here on AV Nation. Uh, the Avixa Women's Council is supporting uh, Rosie Riveters, which is an organization that helps uh, young ladies, young girls, find out more about STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, since you know I won't let that go without it. Uh, so... That is something that Avixa and Jennifer and Erica of Avixa's Women Council is working on to support. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I'll have a little announcement about this right after we get your guys' opinion about this project. So I'll start with you, Alicia, since you brought up the diversity that's happening in AVI SPL India. I'd like to get your take on this. I mean, it's, it's a great initiative. Um, we've seen a lot of companies get involved with things like this. Um, I would like to see them catered more towards, directly towards AV, but I think this is a great way to start, right? You already have a group of women or young adults that are already focused and have some interest. So at least capture, you know, or capitalize on that interest and then introduce. So I think this is a great initiative. Um, I think it's a great way for all the councils and us as an industry to get involved and create real change. Instead of saying, how, 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 how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? We could put some dollars behind it. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited to support. And uh, I think it's a great story. Matthew, your take on it? I know it's Rosie the Riveters, a U.S. and English icon, but I'm assuming Canada has something similar. We speak similar. English up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's one province that doesn't and is snotty about it, but everybody else does. Yeah. No, we but, all know Rosie the Riveter up here. You know, I, I echo Alicia's point. This is fantastic. The I, I'm always conflicted when I see these. To, to your point, Alicia, I'd love to see it more focused on our industry because, again, even when you do these events and, and you focus them on, on STEM, from an AV directive, it still always goes back to, you can be a scientist, you can do all these other, you know, engineering things. And it, it, it doesn't always come back to, um, to AV. But that being said, STEM is such a effective and well-known program, kind of latching onto that is, in my opinion, the, the easiest approach right now. It's the lowest bar of entry. I love seeing these things. We have a, a local STEM program here in, in my city, and it's amazing to see what they've put out. I, I love what they're doing and love the fact that they're, they're serving over, what is it, 6,000 girls that they've worked with so far? which yes. is just absolutely fantastic because it is, I, I think this is one of the easiest ways to get people into the channel is to get them excited about it young. That's how I got into it. I started at, you know, five or six. When you start that early, 
and you see how to do it and you see that there's opportunity, it just keeps going. And, and, and the way to continue to get that in front of people is through programs like this and, and to sponsor programs like this, which speaking of sponsoring, breaking news. Breaking news. What's that breaking, breaking news. news, Matt? It, it seems that this has, our, the, the initial goal has been met, um, which doesn't mean that you can't continue to sponsor and, and get involved, which you should. But there's a, there's a wonderful company out of Florida that has uh, jumped up and made a big donation to, to help kick this off, which is also why you won't see any advisist swag on the show floor. Um, Bradford, that uh, is a fantastic donation that, that you and your company did. Love to see it. So, Yes, thank you. Kudos. I, yes, and, and this is something? all thanks to, to Megan. Had nothing to do with Tim because I'm so prepped for these shows. I was talking with Megan, and who, who told me about Jennifer and Erica's program. I reached out to them on Wednesday, and on Thursday we had talked, and I fully funded uh, this initiative. So Advisist is the title sponsor for this round. However, the goal is to continue. So there's going to be some silent auctions and other fundraising items. So in doing this, yes, I got rid of swag and a couple other things out of Advisor's budget. But more importantly, I'm helping put my dollars to Alicia's point, but also through actions of, of helping things. And I hope everyone else will as well. Uh, the goal is to keep this going. Uh, there are tons of opportunities to help. Uh, I'm lucky to be able to do this, so I'm more than happy to. I've, you know, I've known Jennifer and her family for since a while ago. Uh, we'll just say that. It might have been before Matt was born. Uh, so I'm happy to, to help that, that family. This is a great thing. I also highly recommend people get involved in STEM. Uh, for those of you who follow me, and my small philanthropic efforts, this is my jam, is STEM and science and especially underrepresented uh, parties, getting them involved, which is one of the reasons I, uh, I grabbed onto this. And also one of the reasons you don't see me on uh, various things as often is because if it's not a diverse group, I'm tired of talking to old white men all the time. And yes, Matt, you're old. No, I'm, not, I'm not that old. Stop it. You have three kids. I have none. You're old. It's not, it's Alicia, not however, is, is a young spring chicken. She's like, like 22 or 23. I wish, but I'll take it. I'd never bring up age, ever. I, I didn't. You know, so. I, if I can say one last thing... Um, you always hear people talk about how they can get involved and, and, and they, they have a hard time seeing how to, how to, how to help with these kinds of things, right? They want to see more people. There's a lot of blowhards on all of our favorite social channels talking about how we need more people in. And yes, you can go to your local high school or your local public school and, you know, work out an arrangement so you can speak to those kids and you can do a presentation on this stuff. But the easiest way to do it is to hook up with companies like this, like Jennifer's and donate some money. It's super simple. You can feel good about yourself and you're putting it in the hands of somebody who already knows how to get this stuff accomplished and move the ball forward. It's not that hard. Just get involved. There's a saying of like, give people their flowers while you can, right? 
Bradford deserves mm. all the flowers. This is not the first thing he's done, you know? And we, we you brought that up, Matt, of how, how, how do we do this? How do we do this? Uh, but Bradford's always mm -hmm. just been quiet and done, right? Like the whole, even the Sound Girls event, he brought, he brought a few tickets so people could attend, you know? Like he's doing the work and that's what um, gets me excited. Right. I'm because I'm kind of to the point where it's like, all right, I'm done having conversation. And then I went back and forth. Well, maybe I need to have these conversations so people understand where I'm coming from. And then I was like, no, I'm tired of these conversations. Right. Um, but we're going in this roundabout circle and um, people like Bradford. He is leading by example. And that is appreciated, you know, and sometimes, yeah, I can't cough up all the money to support. I'll give what I can. Right. But there's other ways to make small change without money as well. There are people in this industry that don't get any recognition right now. And how do we find them? The same way you find other people in this industry, LinkedIn, Twitter, right? Like I actively search for people who look different, who talk different, who are in tech roles, who might not be out front customer facing. I take time out, right? That is something that also needs to be done. We need to put time and effort into it. And I had this conversation. We talked about Joe A. I had this conversation with Joe maybe a month ago. How do we break barriers? Why don't we just get to know each other a little better? You know? <laughs> like, how about we just reach out across the aisle and legit shake each other's hands, get to know each other better, and get, and then we can figure out how we create that change together. Mm -hmm. And one of the, uh, thank you for the kind words, Alicia. Someone who's finally made me speechless. Uh, <laughs> it's happened, uh, but she's right. First of all, it's not a contest. It's right. not about how much you give. It's kind of like when people were amazed that Jeff Bezos gave $200 million to the Smithsonian. To him, that's not a whole lot of money. Right. So it's not about the amount you give. It's about giving. If you give a dollar, that counts. Don't let anyone tell you it matters how much you give. Yes, I'm very happy I was able to do this. I'm very lucky, very fortunate, worked hard to be able to do this and want to share and make sure other people can do it. But it's not about the amount. It's just about making the change. The other thing is it's not just doing, doing the checkbook, as Alicia said. It's the get involved, get to know people, mentor people, meet with people. I volunteer a local makerspace working and showing uh, some at-risk at youth some of the non-college-based opportunities they have in technical fields, such as AV. It's mentoring people who I refuse to mentor white men. I know that sounds mean, but all of my mentees in the AV industry have been women over the past five years on purpose. Hmm. And it's just that simple reach out, talk to the diversity council, talk to Alicia, Talk to Frank, talk to Tim, talk to Matt. And there's always those opportunities. Don't think I only can have this small impact. Mm -hmm. That small impact is kind of the exact opposite of death by paper cuts. If everyone helps a little, everything gets better. If we all, you know, if we all just do a little, it's a whole lot better. I, I know from talking to some of the charities I work with, they would much rather get $100,001 donations than $100,000 donation, because that means more to them. So don't let the dollar amounts be your tripping point. And it's not about dollars, it's about 
to Alicia's point, the actions. It's the, I'm not going to sit on a panel and talk to old white men. It has to be a diverse group. I love what you're saying. I love this. I love this. But the, you know, out of all of that, what stuck with me the most is on purpose. Like you're doing this on purpose. Like you're mm-hmm. going, you're making sure that you're legit doing this on purpose. Not to be a charity, not to do any of that, but legit on purpose to create change. And that in itself, Bradford, I mean, damn, that's a mic drop, bro. Like, seriously, that because that's what it's about. Like, we have to make up our minds to create change on purpose. So with this monumental event, uh, see that we're about a half an hour and Tim's going to kill me for going over. But Tim's in Spain. So good luck. Uh, So Alicia, how can people find you, get to talk with you, get to know you? hopefully reach out, maybe get a little assistance moving forward. What's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, I mean, my website is definitely the first place, thesmoothfactor.com, or on the internet. I'm pretty much everywhere except TikTok. I still haven't gotten there yet. So, But at The Smooth Factor, um, and of course on LinkedIn. And she also has her own podcast. You should definitely give it a listen. Thanks, Bradford. Yep. And Matt, besides listening to you on Resi Week right here on AV Nation, uh, how can people find you, talk with you, talk about what great things they can do in the industry, et cetera? Uh, you can hit me on uh, Twitter at Matt D. Scott. Most of the other social platforms, again, not TikTok. Nice try. Um, you can also hit omegaaudiovideo.com uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And I'm Bradford Ben sitting in for Tim Albright. Once again, don't follow Tim on the Twitters. All he does is complain about the bears or the blues. Uh, <laughs> but I do appreciate you spending time with us today. Uh, you can find me at advises.com Bradford Ben on almost all the social medias on LinkedIn. I am not on meta, which means no Facebook, no Instagram. And I like Tic Tacs, but I don't do TikTok. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a pleasant week and look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you.